And we're back, Sharks MTG Podcast. Um, we're here with another episode this week, slightly different. There's no Kalyan, there's no Savesh, but I do as always have Anthony with me. And we've recruited a new guest to appear on the podcast, Mr. Imad Davids. Imad, welcome to the podcast. Uh, hope you enjoy it here with us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolute pleasure. And, I, and I, I think let's dive straight into it. And part of the reason why we've got Imad here is that uh, last weekend, as um, Anthony alluded to uh, on the episode, there was the DreamHack Invitational. Beyond Is it the DreamHack Beyond Invitational? Am I getting the name right or butchering it slightly? But both Imad and uh, Anthony played in it. And uh, it went pretty well. Um, Anthony, maybe just fill us in a bit of background and a bit of context to start with what this event was about and who was in it. Because there were some some good uh, some luminaries of the game, if you will, that participated. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was a, it, a DreamHack is sort of a big esports organization that hosts huge lands and tournaments. Um, they haven't done that much for Magic in the past, but they were they they've been trying to run smaller events for titles that they don't normally support. And so they set up one for Magic, but whoever was supposed to be organizing the participants, usually those invitationals are mostly like well-known streamers and stuff. They hadn't got enough people. And so a few days before the tournament, uh, I happened to know the organizer and they just asked me, do you know some people we could, we could add into the tournament? Um, so myself and Imad, and I think we got uh, Hamza and Shaq and a few other people that I know from Europe. Um, we decided to enter to make up the numbers. So it was kind of a combination of well-known streamers, um, some actual just pro-level players like Kokano and Hawk were there, and then just a bunch of us like South Africans. So it was an interesting mix of players in the tournament. Um, my tournament went terribly. I like completely scrubbed out early on, um, but it might have had a much better run. Slightly better, one might say. And it might be... <laughs> How did your tournament go for well, listeners who are unaware um, of, of the uh, proceedings? The Swiss was a bit difficult. I think I went 3-2, but I clashed into the top eight. I think the first person I versed, they had a very good record going into the top eight. So I squeezed in at eighth position, and then I had to play against, I think it's pretty MTG. He was undefeated going into top eight, and he was on Naiwanota. So I think that was my toughest matchup because if they just turn three one to you, it's very difficult to, to ever come back. But I think I had a disdainful stroke game three, so I was very lucky there. And it's difficult to know when to mali against that deck because I feel like if you don't have a bone crusher or a brazen body, where you're probably just gonna lose. Just just so to be clear, I've, what what deck did you play? Oh, I played uh, Team Maluka. I've, I've been playing Adventures since it came out, so it was the deck I felt the most comfortable on. It was either that or Sultai. And, 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 so, and so, in in essence, just maybe if people aren't familiar with it, essentially, you know, you've got the Adventure um, elements uh, or package in built into your deck, but you also have this, I guess, this this combo, or not combo, but this tutorable uh, effect in, in Luka that fetches, fetches what exactly in your deck? You, you fetch Coma, it's, it's basically a free win once you get the combo off, if they have no interaction. You, so the, the best combo is Landwehr Visionary, turn 3, and then turn 4 you play Luca, and you minus on the Visionary, get Coma, and it's a 6-6. It's a six, six. 
And every turn it makes a 3-3 Serpent, and you can sacrifice a Serpent to tap her any permanent, or give Koma Indestructible. And it's basically, it's basically GG. Not, not a lot of things can beat it, besides Sultai, probably. Yeah, and it's interesting. It happens to be another blue-green creature. I mean, just just to <laughs> shudder to think what standard would have looked like. Imagine if once upon a time Oko um, and Uro were still in standard, along with Bale of Summer and, and other oh. such friends. It would be quite a quite an interesting time. Mm. Uh, but Imad, it wasn't just the the quarterfinal that you won there. Eh? No, no. Then quarterfinals, and then I think I played Calcano uh, in the semis. To, to be clear, uh, Christian, Christian. Kalkano, a long-time magic girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah, my nerves were, were shot there. But I think Scan gave me some nice words of, words of wisdom there. Because uh, I think there's quite a few people watching as well. But he was on Mono Green, which is probably my best matchup. Because they have no interaction at instant speed. And... That matchup wasn't too difficult. And then in the finals, I played against Isa Dragons. I was impressed that, um, I think it was Mythic Michaela, that yeah. she made it so far into the tournament with Easy Dragons. I didn't think that deck was that powerful, but she, she made a good run with it. She's uh, Mythic Michaela is a, a magic streamer who's played a lot of these invitational events, and she's often in the top eight, so she's put up pretty good results as far as those events go. Um, and I think she played really tight in the finals, to be honest, as well. Like, she did everything she could do. Yeah, no, definitely. She, she was a tough opponent. I was watching her play against uh, Janna Amari. I think Janna played a bit too passive against the Isa Dragons. I think you have to just go full out attack. I don't think you can really show respect to the deck. Because they kind of a combo deck as well. Once they start taking turns, you're just not going to win. So if you play slow, you just play into what they want to do. So uh, I was more on the aggro plan. Just get a, a life total turn as low as possible. Yeah, yeah, and I, go ahead, Grant. No, I was I was going to say I, I watched obviously didn't watch it live because of the time, uh, and I guess that's another another I guess tip of that to you guys to play at that you know ungodly hour. I'm like, what time was the final? What time was the actual? What time did it start? So for some reason they wanted to do third and fourth place before the finals. <laughs> so it's five o'clock in the morning and I have to wait an hour before I can play the finals, and it was oh stuff. I just I kept I, making coffee. Like, to, to be clear, this is after being up the entire night, not sleeping the entire night, playing this magic tournament. It's not like you woke yeah, up at like five in the again. morning to, to play magic. <laughs> it's, you were up the entire night with no sleep, and you still managed to pull it off. Yeah, I think it started at 9, 9 p.m., and I played to like 6, Papa 6. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible, man. That's, that's I, incredible. I was... I was watching and chatting to him out between the rounds and like right after he won the final, he just like messaged me, I'm dead, good night. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the exhaustion you feel after playing through that round, man. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. And I mean, that's that's the reason why Ivan Andri, when he, when he said, oh, do you want to play in this? And I'm like, dude, I'm too old. There's no way. There's no way I'll make it. So yeah, man, that's uh, that's incredible. And it's it's nice. It's not every day, you know, it might not... It's not every day that we as South Africans get to play in, you know, events with um, the, the global, like, let's say a global audience um, and get that exposure and, you know, be able to test ourselves. And as you said, there were some notable players like, like Christian Calcano and others 
uh, Christian Hock, etc. So it's a really, really well done, really fantastic that you that you you know um, kept the flag flying, so to speak. Uh, you know, and I, I guess this is the one one of the the upsides of I guess this 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 whole arena streaming era and you know all the attention that's brought to it because you know Magic Online for all you know the 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 good things that it brings and the formats it doesn't bring eyeballs because the you know the mm. it doesn't look very appealing it's not good to watch magic online so i guess it's one good thing about arena and if, if anything you know these little wins where um, you know communities and people around the world can truly feel like you're playing i guess an esport uh, so to speak um is it, pretty cool so yeah congrats mate thanks man it was a tough tough win oh, we got there Hopefully we get some more tournaments that we can enter as Africans. It I've got to say, I, I, I feel like it's been a long time coming. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast before, but for me, Ahmad is, is maybe the most promising standard player in, in the whole country right now in South Africa. Um, and this is a guy who's, Ahmad's only been, what you can say, you've been playing Magic for what, like four or five years now. You, you're not like an old uh, school like me or Quran. I think Kaladesh, whenever when that started. Yeah. yeah, but I feel. I mean, I'll tell you something, Karan. Like in the Cape Town scene, when I go to tournaments, I'm I've got a reputation for trash talking. Like I'm always <laughs> I'm always talking smack to my opponents. I'm always trying to get in their heads. But Imad's the one guy I can't get in his head. In fact, when we play against each other, I'm the one who's nervous. You know, <laughs> I always feel like he's just got the reads, man. He just he, he he's got a a kind of intuition for the game, which is quite uh, rare. Uh, those kind of players who just like naturally have good reads on the game, and I, I really feel like Imad's a kind of player, and, and there's no reason why I can't keep winning events if if the events keep coming. High praise indeed, Imad. Um, yeah, I, like I, I mean, it, it was fascinating, and I think I spoke about this a, a little while ago. I think it took me like four or five years of playing Magic before I grasped basic concepts. I was really slow <laughs> to pick up the game. So when I meet, you know, and I'm exposed to people like you. Who, who seem to, you know, uh, be a nat, you know, uh, pick up the game naturally and just, you know, thrive um, very early on. It's it's really amazing, you know. So, uh, I, I guess the question is: Are you do you solely play on arena, or or is it, you know, a combination of arena, paper, MTGO? You know, what's your modus operandi in in, in the Magic world? It, it used to be a lot of paper. I used to join almost all the tournaments that I could, but obviously with the pandemic, it's I haven't touched magic cards. And I had a good I had a good teacher. I mean I used to play with uh, Sinan Effendi. He taught us more or less how to how to play, what to do. When we started out playing we had no idea. Um, like anything. I mean you're playing with you I think he went to worlds, like he knows how to play magic, he taught us. And I feel like all, our group, our play group, like we all had a relatively good standard now, so you have to improve. Otherwise you're just gonna keep losing. Yeah, well, not not everybody improves, and I guess that's the thing, right? It's you know some people want to improve and and, and don't know how to, um, and some others reach a ceiling cap. But yeah, the, the fact of the matter is is a, you can only get better by playing against a higher standard of a competition, having people you know push you and and and, and drive on. So it's, it sounds cool. I mean, Sinan, obviously, I know him very well. I was we were I think we were on one or two teams together as well. So um, yeah, great bloke. I haven't seen him in a in quite a few years actually. Um, but MTGO, is that something that you, you play at all, Imad? I can't. Uh, the platform's too bad for me, man. I can't do it. 
I, I can't play arena. Like I'm spoiled now. I can't go back to that. See, this is a thing, Grant. If you if you weren't already used to MTGO, like, and you start on arena, it's really really hard to open MTGO. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I think especially, you know, I'm going to say this all the time. I think as, as a competent player, you have to play MTGO because financially it makes sense as far as I'm concerned, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I was fortunate that like this weekend with, with, with the arena event, you know, I just had done tons of wild cards on, on arena so I could craft a deck. But like, you know, what if I didn't? Then what? What must I do to get cards in arena? I can't, you know, trade my cards in for other cards. You know, the economy, I guess, is the biggest downside um, to arena. Not to mention the formats um, are quite restrictive. But economy is my main issue. Um, I guess anyway, I'm getting sidetracked from the initial point, Imad. I guess the point I was trying to make was that, you know, um, in terms of competitive play, every single week on MTGO, you get, you know, you get. Um, a myriad of tournaments, you know, with the challenges, the super PDQs, the showcases, and across, you know, I'm talking pioneer, modern, vintage, legacy, standard. It's it's actually preposterous how many good events you can play in if you wanted to, and you know, if you were so inclined. So something to consider. Um, and I, and I always tell people like, if you if you want to get better at the game, that's you know a good place to go because. Um, you know, you, you play in a challenge typically and the standard of, of play is quite ridiculous, to be honest with you. Like, you know, I, I was, um, I think, I think for the past weekend I played in a, in a challenge and I think I was in the one, two bracket and I think it was me and uh, Waffle Tough, <laughs> you know, and that's like something that's pretty common, like in the challenges and like, you know, just really stacked feel. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a good way, like to the point about getting, playing against better players and just consistently you know trying to improve and test yourself so uh, something i recommend uh even if the graphics aren't the best yeah i, th I mean i think you're both right i mean it's i don't think the advantage arena has is just graphics i really i think it's like a more seamless platform to use but at the same time like definitely true that it's easier to get direct exposure to top players on magic online like if you want that on arena you basically have to constantly be high rank on ladder otherwise mm -hmm. The random matches you play are just against you know weak play even in the arena open i don't know if you found this crime but i feel like day one in the arena open you're gonna play against a few players with very suspicious decks and very suspicious you know it's because it's completely open day one it's like the the level on day one is 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 extremely varied um whereas in magic online when you enter a ptq or something usually even the first and second round you're playing against pretty strong players so I do think that is an advantage, but I also wouldn't I wouldn't reduce Imai's comments to just graphics. I, I think <laughs> like Magic Online is a, a very clunky interface to like force yourself to learn if you don't feel like you have to. You know, um, it's it's like a it's like you have to actually actively acquire the taste for it because it feels like you you know for me as a Dota player it feels like imagine someone only ever played Dota two now you want them to play Dota one. Like, yeah, there's the graphics thing, but it's also just that the game doesn't feel as fluid. It doesn't feel as, like, well put together. Um, although it's interesting because in some ways, Magic Online feels a bit more like paper than what Arena does, just because the cards actually look like the cards and they don't have animations and stuff. So sometimes, actually, especially since the pandemic, we haven't been playing paper. Sometimes for me... I've enjoyed playing some Magic Online events because it makes me go back to that feeling of Paper Magic again. 
Yeah, and, and things like the deck build is probably better on Magic Online, uh, for example, for, for sealed or draft or whatever the case is. You know, there are pros and cons to, to everything. Also, just as, a, as an anecdote to, to what's coming up ahead, I was uh, multi-queuing because I was um, in the challenge, the MTGO challenge, and I was trying to play the Arena Open. And so I was playing the both of them. And, you know, between the two of them, MG, MTGO, I just went, cool, F6, pass, you know, pass the turn. Uh, on an Arena, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. So the stupid window kept on popping up for like everything, asking me to click on, you know, everything where I, you know, I had no response. I had nothing to do. And I'm like, why isn't there an F6 button or the equivalent on an arena? Something as simple as that, you know? So, um, you know, for all its flashy uh, gameplay and stuff, I guess good old, uh, good old F6 is still one of the things that's quite appealing and quite a useful tool when you trying to speed things up a little bit on, on, on the client. Um, but anyway, that's enough about uh, MTGO. Um, I guess, um, well done once again. I think um, I hope that you're included in some of these events going forward, and I hope to see you. Really hope to see you try your hand and you know things like the MTGO challenges, etc. I think that's a it's a good place to go and 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 push yourself, um, guys. I think we've alluded to it, and you all spoke touched on it shortly. But this past weekend is also the Arena Open, um, and. Uh, Anthony, do you want to just touch base on what is an arena open for those of us uh, listeners who don't know what it is and, and, and what were we doing this past weekend? So basically, uh, once every, I don't know, about six weeks or two months, they have an arena open. The formats change between standard, historic and sealed. Um, anyone can enter as long as you pay the entry fee. And then day one, you have to win seven times before losing three times, assuming you enter in best of one. If you enter in best of three, you have to win four times before losing once. Um, the rewards are slightly different. You get better rewards in best of three, but it's also more punishing because you lose once, you're out. Um, and then if you get to day two, you play again. Day two is best of three only. You need seven wins before two losses. And if you get to the seven wins, you get $2,000. If you get to six wins, you get $1,000. And everything else is just gem rewards. Um, so it's quite, I mean... To get the money, you kind of have to spike. Because um, you, you need to kind of go like 7-2 into 7-1 kind of thing. Um, that's like the worst result you can have for most people, assuming you went best one on day one. Um, and that's that's an interesting dynamic. I mean, it is a bit easier day one because it's completely open. No one had to qualify for it, and that's why it's called the Arena Open. Um, and you can re-queue as many times as you want. And so there's a lot of players who either good players who are stubborn about their results or weak players who you know, don't realize that they're not good enough. You just keep trying. So Wizards obviously making a huge amount of money by letting people rebuy over and over on day one. Um, and initially when they first had the Open, some people were complaining about that on Twitter, saying that it's like a, a cash grab for Wizards or whatever. It's gambling, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but it's but but certainly like top-level players, there's, there's, there's some pros and semi-pro players who've now won $2,000 like three or four times. And it's actually like a, just a good source of money, especially considering the um, organized play doesn't have the same kind of opportunities it used to have uh, a few years back. And so I think if you are someone who sees yourself as sort of a full-time or semi-full-time magic player, it's a, a good little extra source of money to enter a competition like that every time. Um, so I've been entering, I, I pretty much enter all of them because usually I've got enough gems. I don't have to pay in. I, I do well drafting on arena and so I build up gems over time. 
And so when these opens come, it gives me something to spend them on. So this time around, I, I had to enter three times to get through day one. And I could have, I basically had to buy like 500 gems, which just cost almost nothing um, because I had enough gems to get 2.8 runs or whatever. Um, and yeah, for me, I went 5-3-5-3-7-0. And then day two, I, I, I went 2-2. Two, two. It's, a, it's a funny feeling because actually, if you add all those numbers together, uh, that's a 70% win rate, you know? Great record, it's, yeah. It's yeah. not a bad record at all, but it feels terrible because the day that really matters is day two, and I went 2-2, two, two, and that doesn't feel good. You know, it feels like I'm not even close to the money kind of thing. Um, but I guess as Magic players, it's something that we're used to. Like, you go to a Grand Prix, you go to a Pro Tour, whatever, you kind of have to spike for the result to actually feel important. And, I mean, I don't want to derail now, but it gets to another discussion Karan, you and I had previously about uh, ratings. Um, why I care about things like Magic Online rating is just because it's nice to have things that measure your consistent uh, performance level rather than whether or not you spiked one event. Um, so, yeah, Arena Opens can be punished in that way, especially if you follow a lot of Magic people on Magic Twitter. You're going to see everyone posting that they won the $2,000 and you're going to feel bad because you weren't one of them, you know? And nobody, the the 99% of people who didn't win are not posting saying they didn't win. It's only the people who won posting. And so your whole Twitter feed is like full of people winning the money and it makes you feel like inadequate or something, even though maybe your win rate was actually good. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's a, that speaks to a greater problem of, of social media, right? Like people just share like, you know, the wonderful and the amazing and, you know, share parts of their life that, you know, that's not real if you think about it and, and i guess this is the same right like as you say maybe i don't know five percent of people two percent i don't know what the percentage is a very small percentage of people actually cash this this event yet uh, they are the ones who are all talking about it those that miss just you know like me just keep quiet <laughs> i mean i'm not saying anything <laughs> so you know. how was your run tell us about it Yes, yeah, so I was uh, I, I basically played no standard in a year, and um, fortunately I had you two who knew a thing or two about standard. You told me to play Winota. I literally crafted the deck because I had gems lying on arena from like drafts, uh, like you said, similarly or, or sorry, wild cards uh, lying there, and I crafted the, the missing uh, cards. I played the deck as I was playing the matches. In the event, I was like learning what my cards did because I had no idea and I was too lazy to read everything beforehand. And, you know, uh, it was just a, a free roll as far as I was concerned. So I played it and um, I went, I think, 6-3 playing Winota. It felt like a terrible deck. And, and I was saying this earlier that it felt like a real high roll deck. It felt like a deck with very little agency. So the concept of agency, you know, having a little bit of control over your your destiny, you know, so to speak, the idea that you sort of have some sort of control over it. And I felt like I had none. I felt like even like one of my losses were where I, I thought I was I was through. I attacked with a couple of creatures um, and Winota triggers went on and I missed, I missed basically blanked that Winota triggers, you know, and I was like, okay, well, I did I did what I was supposed to do. But, you know, it fizzled as a fail rate. And this, it's why cards like... Um, you know, bring it back to older formats or even when it was in standard, collected companies been something I've never been fond of because, yeah, 80% of the time, you know, if your deck's built correctly, you're probably going to hit two creatures with a collected company. But there's a percentage where it's you're going to miss and it feels really bad. And, and I guess it was the same sort of feel bad with Winota. Um, but I had fun. There weren't too many expectations. I, I did try the next day to um, enter once more. 
but unfortunately it was too late. I, I guess I didn't understand the timing of how, how things worked. So yeah, I was one and done. And um, yeah, maybe next time I'll be a, a well, I can, I can only be more prepared. Let's put it that way. And um, I mean, you were, you were, you were one win short of day two, right? Yeah. Yeah. But so, like, yeah. I don't think it had anything to do with me. If that made sense. <laughs> it was like the deck was doing what it did. Like I felt like my brother who last played magic, you know, I don't know, 2004 or something, you know, I felt like if I threw him in front of the computer and said, play, it probably wouldn't have gone too wrong with it because it like really felt as straightforward as a magic deck could get, you know, um, I don't know, maybe I'm being, uh, maybe, uh, maybe I'm being a little dramatic, but I, I felt like, like it was as straightforward as magic decks could get. I mean, I, I want to hear from your mad too, but I want to say, um, like to some extent, you're definitely right. And to some extent, it's not even just about Winota. It's actually just where standard is right now, that all of the decks are based around like doing one very powerful thing. And when you do it, you just win on the spot kind of thing. You know, Imad's Luka deck is kind of like that too. You summon Coma and then your opponent just can't beat you. The Sultai control deck, they play their ultimatum and then they just kind of win. The mm. red-based aggro decks, they're just trying to dump an Ember Cleave. The green-based decks, usually it's like a great hinge. So one of the complaints people have had about standard in the recent years is that everyone's doing such powerful things that, you know, the, a, a, a lot of games feel very one-sided, whether you're winning or losing. It feels like you, you just naturally won or you just naturally lost. I do think, though, that at the higher level, so, for example, on day two of the Arena Open, there are some more, like, nuances and, and technical plays that happen where things become, where, where, like, even though you don't have that much agency, the agency you do have is very complex. These like very these small decisions for you to even notice that it is a decision and then sequence exactly correctly or anticipate exactly correctly or sideboard exactly correctly. Those things do come out. Um, I don't know what what you think, Imad, like in terms of the the level of skill testing for for standard recently, and maybe if you want to talk a bit about how your run went as well. Uh, the first game I played, the guy was playing the Infect Standard God, the two mana one three. With the, <laughs> uh, if they hit you with Death Touch, you get a poison. Fun. Yeah, fun. So I, I, had a, I had a free game there. Second game was Mono Black with, I can't even remember, but like, the first two games I had were free. But those was on my um, Luka run. And then for some reason, everyone was just on Rogues in the best of 1Q. Because it, it's because Rogues beats Winota and everyone was on Winota. Mm. And so people started it, because like, they might queued like several hours after the window opened. And so I think it, it it like adapted over time that everyone's on Winota, so then a lot of people switched to Rogues to try and beat mm -hmm. up on the Winota decks. And that, that's a really odd matchup for, for Luca. And I just, I lost there. And then if you can't beat them, you join them. So I just played Rogues my second round, and then I got through. I think I went 7-2. And I mean, the deck felt really easy in best of one. I just mulled everyone out. You, didn't, you don't have to do anything. That, that deck was a really good choice for best of one. Uh, best of three, I was going to play Winota, but I'm, I'm not an aggro player, so I, I, I can't... Certain attacking decisions I, I can't make very well. Mm. So I it was either between Sultai or uh, Luka again. And then I was going to play Sultai, but I thought if Rogues was popular day one, if everyone has the deck, they might just submit it for day two. And I think it's a very bad matchup for Sultai. So I thought if I just adjust my sideboard with Luka... To make it a bit more favorable game two and three for rogues i could just submit the deck that i know how to play 
And I beat Rogus once in queue on day two, and then game two I lost to Rogues and I lost to Winota in a tight game three. I think I went four, four wins and two losses day two. It was very close though, the Winota games. Ugh. Yeah, they, they often are. Um, Imad, I know we always say this, but at some stage, you and I must actually really start properly preparing for these events together because I just realized now I'm a guy who always wants to play aggro and you play everything but aggro. So I feel like yeah. we could really complement <laughs> each other's toolkits because, you know, we have, like, my weakness is your strength and your weakness is my strength. Yeah, like, <laughs> I never know with Mono Raid when I'm supposed to attack, when I'm supposed to hold back or squeeze damage. So for me, I just prefer a few counter spells and some board wipes. That's, that's the best kind of magic for me. It's a nice control so, mode. Also very interesting considering the fact that you like a, you've only played the game for a few years that you went straight to the sort of control decks because I, I my sense in general is that people start off with aggro usually because it's it like has the appearance of being more linear. Um, and you just jump straight into the like five head combo and control decks. Yeah, it's easier to to beat someone if you know like if you have a feeling of what they're gonna do and you can set up, I think it's easier to win the game for me. I don't like being the one that's being controlled. I find it harder to play like that. Especially the worst feeling for me is when you're behind as an aggro deck and you have to hope to top deck like three or four cards in a row. I, I can't play like that. I, I don't enjoy the game. I have to just be able to top deck uh, a spell that makes me throw two cards and hopefully find a board wipe or something. Okay, that's... so in some in some way that mm. speaks to what Karan's been talking about, about wanting agency, right? Like... Mm. You don't want to be at the at the kind of uh, mercy of that one top deck, and aggro decks very often are. Whereas yeah. control decks, I feel like you you plan out your turns in the long term, like you you expect to see a lot more of your deck every game. Yeah, it's easier to adjust. Yeah, to I guess that, I guess that's a fair point, but like there is a difference between you know playing an aggro deck and like really playing an aggro deck. And I'll give you this anecdote from uh, the last World Magic Cup that I was I was at. And it was, I think it was the last one, the energy one. It was, yeah, it was the energy one. Um, and so one of the decks, the deck that I was going to play was the energy deck, which was like the best deck in standard. And leading up to the the, um, the the World Magic Cup, I was practicing on MTGO. And whenever I faced Mono Red, I would crash Mono Red with the deck. Um, and this would happen repeatedly. I'd crash Mono Red, I'd have a really good win rate, except somehow every now and then I was getting paired against Shota. And Shota Yasuoka was playing Mono Red, so he was practicing for you know the Japanese team. He was he was practicing. And every time I played against him, I lost him. And it happened, I don't know, four or five times. And so I was beating everyone else on Mono Red except, okay, this is like, you know, Hall of Fame elite in his prime uh magic player and the way he approached the match and the things that he did and the decisions that he took the lines um he was able to beat me you know where with other very good players on on the you know couldn't so yeah there's i mean the, the concept of agency i guess um maybe 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 it is true maybe uh, it is there but i, I feel like there maybe there's an illu- illusion you know in terms of agency that being able to draw cards and selection and these sort of things give you um but again, then again, on the other hand, I'm arguing against myself. I guess the more cards you see, the more decisions you have to make. So uh, maybe it just just means that you know you want to make decisions in your in your games, and that's why things like historically, um, you know, decks like if we go back to 
maybe before your time, Imad, was was um, Jace when Jace was the standard. Uh, Jace the man sculptor, um, Stone Forge Mystic. Um, that whole preordain, that whole deck was, you know, you used to see so many cards at card selection, and and like, you know, the better player would always win because again there were just so many decisions to be made in a match, so it it, it ends up leveling out. Uh, that skill difference because of all these micro decisions that need to be made. And uh, I guess in certain decks, there is that element, there is real agency and in others, there's an illusion of it, but yeah, um, I think there's, there is a skill to uh, mastering the red decks. And, you know, there's some guys who are players that are, you know, historically just incredible at it. Um, And it's something that I guess, you know, I think a part of big part of magic is being able to switch between the different archetypes, you know, and, and yeah, you might have a comfort or a preference uh, in a controlling shell or whatever, but there's going to come a time and place where, you know, the white, little white creatures or little, you know, red decks going to be the best thing and the right thing to play. And, you know, you got to master it and make sure you're ready for that time. You know, sometimes you don't have a choice. Uh, Definitely something that like, I think playing aggro at a high level is, a very good skill to have. I think it's a very difficult thing to to grasp, especially when it comes down to attacks with blocking. And I feel like like if you play draft a lot, it will help you because you understand mm-hmm. combat a lot better. And draft is something I don't do that often, but I should probably start doing a lot more. That's actually, I mean, I, I think the main reason I veer towards aggro is because my main format is draft. And in draft formats, I veer aggro. And so I've just learned the fundamental skills of judging aggressive moves quite well. But at the same time, I'm, <laughs> I'm a lot worse. It's, I don't know. I mean, I've always had this kind of, it's not even just about magic. Other games I've played too, like whether it's Dota, whether it's what Overwatch, whatever. I always want to be aggressive because I have this sense that, that if you let any game drag on, then you, you're too much at the mercy of these like wild swings of RNG suddenly this person was in the right place at the right time or drew the right card at the right time. Um, so in in that sense, it's almost a consequence of what we were saying before, where like the game being shorter and me being aggressive makes me feel like I'm able to plan what I want to do in the game rather than being at the mercy of whatever big game-changing events suddenly happen as the game drags on. Yeah, and, and I mean, like to the point about like, you know, uh, I guess what Imad was saying and, and sort of somewhere in the middle of what you were saying, I was playing, I was trying a blitz deck um, on MTG like the other day. And, you know, it was one of those turns where I'm like, if my opponent, if my opponent has some sort of interaction, I'm probably going to lose the game here. Um, but if they don't, I'm winning the game. Do I go for it? Don't I go for it? If I go for it and they have the interaction, I probably lose my creature and I lose the game. Chances are very high, and, and it's like that tension point, right? And it's, it's. I guess it's something that just comes with feel and time. And sometimes you're going to be right, sometimes you're going to be wrong, and you know that's that's the beauty of it. You know, it just you got to ride the lightning, so to speak, uh, occasionally. Um, I think moving on to like, I guess deck choices, and I guess we were all over the show here on this historic. Oh, sorry, on the um, arena open. Um, so all in all, not a good showing for us, but I guess it's the end of a really tired format. It's the end of a long cycle, what feels like a, a weird time. I guess this whole period, uh, Throne of Aldrain, um, Magic, I don't know, was it Magic 2020 when 
when Omnath and Fail and all these wacky cards came out. So the last two years of Magic and Standard in particular have been exceptionally powerful and pushed. And and you're seeing the, the effects of that down into, you know, into your older formats. You know, you look at Pioneers and Moderns and even all the way down to um, Legacy. These cards have made, you know, huge impacts. And, and the game, as we know, it has changed. And we've seen now with... Uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, a clear, a clear, um, and, and Strixhaven, I guess, a clear uh, sh- a shift in, in, I guess, policy of, of, of magic, of R&D, trying to pull Standard back a little bit. And hopefully, you know, um, once rotation happens down the line, Standard will be in a healthier place where maybe to your point, Anthony, it's not going to be all about haymakers and, you know, the snowball magic, if you will. Um, and, I, and I guess, you know, hopefully... It's, you know, I, I don't know when green suddenly became this color that had the best creatures and the best card draw and the best, I don't know, life gain and the best, just the best of everything. But, you know, a bit more uh, balance in the in the color pie, so to speak. You know, I, I remember years gone by, you wanted to play a ramp spell. Yeah, okay, fine. Play your rampant growth. But, you know, that's it. Land comes into play tapped. End of story. You know, uh, that's all your sorcery did. Now, you know, when you start whacking on draw spells and uh, draw draw cards and life gain into these into some of these things, you're asking for trouble in a, in a, in a color that's historically had, um, you know, the biggest, best creatures. So hopefully that, that balance is going to start being restored and, you know, people get to play blue to draw cards and people get to play green, yeah, because it's got big, dumb creatures, but, you know, not the best of all worlds. So hopefully we'll see some balance being uh, restored and standard and it'll be a little more fun in the years to come. Uh, I think let's move on from, uh, sorry, Anthony, you want to interject? Well, I just wanted to say that there is actually one more standard event this next weekend, which I'm playing. I'm not sure, Imada, you're also playing the MCQ? No, I haven't been playing standard, so I didn't qualify. Okay, so there's, the way it works is like every season in Arena, if you finish in the top 1,200 or whatever, you can qualify to the next qualifier event. So there's a qualifier weekend this coming weekend, which is basically also standard and the cool thing is, I think it qualifies you to a, a tournament, which will be post-rotation standard and 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 also the next set sealed, which I think is also the the world's format this year. Uh, it's the post-rotation standard plus the Innistrad, the upcoming sets sealed or draft. Um, so I'm very excited about the chance of qualifying to a cool event. I'm not that excited about the qualifier itself uh, because I am quite, uh, same as you said, Grant, I'm quite ready to say goodbye to this the standard format well one last for well, one last time i guess it's okay um yeah and uh, hopefully you have a good run there and whatever whatever deck you decide is uh, uh probably just play with notes pretty. again and roll the dice man roll the <laughs> dice. not a bad not a bad solution when you need a high roll anyway right like and i guess that's the thing i mean just going back to i guess imad winning like at magic it's really hard to win a tournament you know i, I was you know the concept of winning a tournament it, it's people don't understand how difficult it is how many things need to go your way it's not you know enough to be well prepared or you know be one of the better players it's just not good enough you know um yeah over time i guess your win rate's going to be higher than most people but on a particular day you need a lot of luck you know from deck selection to pairings um you know and then tied in with the way you play so yeah, uh, you need to sp- spiking is exactly the right word when you're playing an event to win seven r- rounds in a row or 10 rounds or whatever, or 15 rounds over two days or 14 rounds over two days. 
with almost no losses is incredibly difficult um, when, you know, on, on average, the best players in the world playing at the highest level have win rates in the, in the low, lowish 60s. You know, so for you to win 90% of your games, it, it's absolutely, it's super high roll and spiky. So maybe uh, Winota is exactly the place to be and, you know, hope the, the gods are with you, so to speak. Yeah, I'm hoping Emad's going to help me prepare, but maybe for some of the... Maybe, maybe see, see if we can... Can we find a way to beat the Rogues matchup? Oh, that's true, actually. Maybe we should just play the Rogues. Like, just practice it inside and out. Maybe that's the answer. Yeah, but it's but Rogues is also quite a technical deck to play, especially in the post-board games when people bring in like their escape cards and stuff. So that that's the issue. Know. Like I don't know how people win with that deck game two and three when there's one escape creature. It's, it feels impossible to win because you're down the locks are just shut off. Your your creatures don't do anything. They just one ones. I, I don't understand yeah. how people play that deck post-board. No, it becomes. I mean, Karan, you might actually appreciate like. I think the rogues deck post board becomes almost more like the old fairy decks. It's like quite complicated what you're trying to do. You have these flash threats, you have these kind of like interactive spells, but but everyone's but the the special thing about the rogues deck is that a lot of the cards depend on your opponent's graveyard, and people can side in things to use their graveyard. And so, yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, maybe that's one of the reasons the rogue deck sort of disappeared for a long time. It's only just made a comeback because it's good at feeding on some of the popular decks right now, but it could disappear again in the next week. Mm. One of those things where people are prepared, like the old dredge and modern type of thing, where as soon as no one was prepared, dredge just showed up and smashed everybody. And then, well, as soon as people had a few rest in pieces, etc., in this adwords, dredges will, you know, relegated to the bench. So maybe one of those. Um, okay, guys, we got to move on. And uh, one last thing, one, one of the big news items of the last week was the announcement of um, historic horizons, horizons on, uh, on Arena. So a lot going on here, a lot to unpack. Um, as a starting point, historic was initially pitched as this format that was supposed to be a place where you could use your old Arena standard cards, you know, so... Um, something that ensured that your collections held a bit of, I guess, value, so to speak, that you could play with them and, you know, the money and that you, the time and effort you spent into the program wasn't wasted once rotations happened. Um, and, and there were all sorts of thoughts and promises around this. With initially thought, the thinking was that with the advent of Pioneer, that perhaps Historic was going, to be, was going to morph into Pioneer because that seemed like a fun, great format. And as an aside, I think it's an amazing format if anyone... You know, uh, is that way inclined? It's available on MTGO, uh, but wonderful, wonderful format. <laughs> um, and 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 now all of a sudden, historic, you know, has become this crazy place with brainstorms and which was recently suspended and all kinds of crazy stuff. And to take it one step further, this announcement has been something short, you know, something just short of 800 new cards plowed into the format um, with such hits like Season Pyromancer, Death's Rage Channeler. Uh, amongst other other wonderfully powerful things, um, I'll start with you, Imad. What has your uh, reaction been as a as an arena player to this announcement of um, Historic Horizons with these this influx of new cards and also importantly the digital only cards that are are going to be printed and available in 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 the game? What's your thoughts uh, on the announcement and everything that's come with it? My biggest worry is where am I to get the, get the wild cards from? Because it's 800 cards, I have like five rare wild cards. I'm not going to be able to forge anything, basically. 
And I mean, I love Historic. It's the format I play the most. And Season Pyromancer is very, I mean, a mythic. So if I forge four of those, I, I basically can't build any other deck. And I think Arena's form, the economy needs to change because at the moment, 800 cards, who can afford to buy any deck? Like, there has to be a way to just purchase their wild cards and mythic wild cards. I think that's the biggest issue with Arena at the moment. Because I'm looking I mean, forward to it. It, but. it works really well for people like me who just draft new formats when they Like, every time a set comes out, I do like 50 drafts, and then you've mm. basically got all the cards in the set. Um, obviously, you need to have a good win rate, otherwise, you're going to pay, pay a lot of money. Um, but my recommendation to you, Matt, is start drafting more. Yeah, but like, yeah. I mean, this new format's going to be, I think it's pre-built decks, and then you have to play those against other pre-built decks. It's not, it's not going to be a draft. Oh, really? They're not going to? Yeah. I didn't even know it wasn't draftable. Mm. Yeah, it's jumpstart. It's like a jumpstart. It's this jumpstart pre-con mm. type of vibe that they're going with. So it's like, my understanding, it's a type of, almost like a pre-con deck. Uh, you buy precon decks and you play, you know, you enter events with, you'll enter against other people with these precons. So it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not drafted uh, as far well, as I'm aware. Well, my opinion is if there's a new set and you can't draft it, then why is there a new set? That, that, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's wild. Uh, it, it, it's, it's very interesting. I, um, it's very interesting, and I, and I think particularly the digital-only aspect is, is obviously one that's quite um, startling because I, I guess, you know, everyone, we always thought of, well, there's these formats and you can play it in Arena, but it's still Magic at the end of the day. And, you know, if you wanted to, you play the same format in paper or on Magic Online or whatever. Now we're going into this new direction where Historics are going to become this game that's almost a standalone game. It's not going to be able to, you can't play it on paper because there are mechanics that don't allow for that. Um, so, Anthony, as someone who's very much entrenched in the esports uh, and the gaming space in, in large, what's your take on this move to, I guess, differentiate uh, historic by having digital only cards that aren't available elsewhere when you come from a game with rich history based on, you know, paper and tabletop play? Um, what's your stance on this whole situation? I mean, I think that. Personally, my view of Historic has been from the start that they it's an experimental format. Um, they are sort of figuring out as they go things that they want to experiment with. Um, and I think it could be a good thing for Magic to have at least one format that is intentionally experimental, where you can try things out and see how they go, pull them back if you don't like them, put them back in if you do. Um, in fact, I'd, I'd much rather experiments go into historic than standard. So that standard doesn't have to constantly have like erratas and bans and things like that. Um, I feel like it's really important for a healthy standard format to be getting things right. Um, but you also want to be able to take creative risks as R&D. And so give them the space where they can take those risks, put that in historic if you want. Um, it might not make the historic players that happy, um, one of the strange things I found is that there's a lot of people very unhappy about this who don't even play Arena at all. There's a lot of like magic boomers who are just unhappy about the existence of the mechanic perpetually, um, which is one of the new digital mechanics that like uh, indefinitely imprints some kind of effect on a card, which obviously couldn't work in paper magic. Um, but my 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 stance on that is kind of like if it if you're not 
playing that format anyway, then why does it, it doesn't really affect you. You know, you can keep doing your thing. Um, I think there's some people who kind of have this kind of uh, conservative uh, puritanical notion of like the purity of their game is being tainted or something. And for me, that's like all kind of nonsense. Um, if, if, if you can still play your formats and in fact, the, the, the idea of experimenting in this format might make it better the experience of your of the other formats because they can channel it into there as opposed to elsewhere um i don't see who's really being harmed but i'm also curious to hear what emad thinks as probably the person who has played the most historic whether whether or not these ideas will actually make historic itself better because I'm, I'm not sure i'm just a little nervous about the the rng mechanic i think it's called conjure where they give you like three random cards to pick from I don't like that aspect of magic where you, I think it's, there's a merfolk when at ETBs you can conjure a tropical island, but then there's another card that if you conjure, you get three random cards from a selection of cards and then you, you have to choose one of the three, but I mean, it's not predetermined what three you're going to get. Yeah. So I don't like that RNG aspect or there's a two mana artifact as well. You discard a card and you pay X mana. And then it will give you a creature at that CMC, but it'll be a random creature from Magic City. So I mean, wait, wait, sorry, wait a minute. Isn't isn't that like isn't that Momo Vig or yeah, isn't that literally that. what it is? Yeah, it's Momo yeah, Vig, right? I'm not making this up. Like Momo, where you like, no, no. oh, two mana, I'm gonna play, and then it, that is the game where you never wanted to cast a seven mana creature in case you got Page the Untouchable and lost the game, right? Or yeah, that was, that's, that's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah I, I, I don't like that. Remember. Yeah. I mean, these are like, I feel like these, to be honest, if I'm, if I'm going to be blunt, these are all kind of basically Hearthstone mechanics. They basically just, tr it feels like they've looked at Hearthstone and they've been like, what are interesting things we can try? And it goes back a while already. I, I feel like companions were copied from Hearthstone because Hearthstone had those kind of cards that if your deck fits a certain condition, you start with some special bonus. Um, and my whole point here is like, well, if you're going to experiment with cool ideas that have succeeded in other games, then at least like isolate that to one format so it doesn't like taint everything else. And so it might be that in the short term, the experience of playing historic will get worse, but I feel like it's an overall positive for the whole magic ecosystem that you protect the other formats by only experimenting in historic. That, that's my take. It's also that they want to like, they want to give commander players something to bring them into historic and standard. That's why Companions was a mechanic. Omnath was so broken as a legendary because they want people who play commander to come into standard and because they spend the most money on magic. Realistically. That's true. Yeah, we're and, always thinking as competitive players, the ones they make the game for, but it's not really. <laughs> yeah, we, we just, we secondary market, I think. We just buy our deck and we sort it for about a year, a year and a half. Whereas commander players, they're always looking for the best legendary or the best new card. So that's why I think they finally realized that there's too many bands with the broken cards they printed. I look at Questing Beast, it has like two pages on it because it's legendary and they want the commander players to come. But hopefully they realize that it's, it's not working. Well, and Questing Beast sees, as far as I'm aware, little to, to no play, you know, relative to its, you know, humongous tech, text box of abilities it's it's really mm. under indexed right like in its history of standard it's really been under indexed throughout its time you know um which yeah, shows you where we are i guess 
It's kind of come in and out. I mean, the, I, I remember watching Crokey's Builders Gruel deck for the Arena Open, which he managed to cash this weekend. And he was like struggling with the fact that he can't justify playing Questing Beast because there's like other really good fours. So, I mean, he, you know, he couldn't, he's playing a red green aggro deck, couldn't play Questing Beast, couldn't play the Chariot. Those are both like amazing four drops, but there's the power level instead has just been so high that you can never play all the amazing cards, even though they're like in your color and suit the archetype you're in. I mean, the Steam and the five fives, like, Stan is just too powerful at the moment. Like, Lovestruck Beast just blanks majority of decks. Like, Mono Red. If I play Lovestruck, I feel like I won the game already. If I have a Brazen Borrower, I know I'm just going to blow them out when they have Embercleave. Like, most of the games are just... The Adventure cards are the cards that I have to go, I think. Yeah. They, they're the ones that are just causing all the problems. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even for me, even more than Lovestruck Beast, as an aggro player, so many of the aggressive concepts I've tried to build just fall to Bone Crusher Giants. You know, it's just like... The fact that you can remove my creature without spending a card, just like is is too much for me as an aggro player. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, guys, just bring it back to Historic Horizons, and I I guess people get upset for, as you say, for a number of different reasons around around this announcement. Uh, one I've heard commonly spoken of is what Imad was talking about about the wild cards. Where, where must you get these eight hundred? wild cards how is that possible where must you get this without you know either um, spending a lot of money into the game um, or you know being i guess one of the few elite people in the world who wins so much plays a lot of arena and has a really high win rate where you're able to somehow build up these 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 wild cards through limited which is i guess is possible but unlikely um that's one major gripe but you know the, the thing for me and the thing that disappoints me the most about it is like, I feel like they really missed an opportunity to, you know, pivot and, and take Historic and make it Pioneer. And I just don't understand why they didn't make Pioneer thing on Arena, a non-rotating format where people could use their older cards like it was intended to, when it's such a good format. And now you've got this, you know, this weird Historic, which is almost like modern slash legacy light, you know, where it sits somewhere there, where it's got like elements, broken elements of, of both formats in, in some respects, you know, with, with Brainstorm recently going, uh, getting suspended. It's just weird. I don't understand what their vision was for this whole thing. And it seems to be, well, we'll see, I guess. We'll see when the full extent of the historic horizons, you know, what's the impact? What other crazy things are going to be spoiled? Who knows? Who knows if, uh, you know, they've, they've printed Pyromancer, they've printed DRC. Who knows what else is going to go into that format? I mean, you could be looking at a situation where um, maybe, um, you know, who knows, Dead Shadow, Ragavan. I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on in this format at some point. But um, it sounds like it sounds like it's going to be the Wild West. Um, and I'm, as you say, it's not for me. I don't play it. So I don't really, I'm not too too concerned by it. But, you know, I've, I feel the pain of, of people like Imad who play the format and wonders, well, I want to play this format. What must I do, you know? Um, I, I'm, I'm spending money on paper on my paper collection. Um, hopefully, now that you know events start opening up, uh, now you expect me to spend money on arena, and then some. You know, some people also play MTGO. Where do you draw the line? You know, where do you draw the line when you have this weird economy, as he says? You know, where you can't, um, I guess, make efficient use of your cards and get rid of your cards like you can in other games and change them for wild cards, etc. Um, but 
I guess that's something for another day. I, I think we'll have to wait and see as the, the full spoiler gets uh, rolled out and what it what it means. Um, because the other other interesting thing is that you could have a Imad, you could have I don't know whatever historic deck you have built at the moment. In a in a few weeks' time, once this historic horizons is out completely, that deck may be completely invalidated, and all those cards. It's not just that you need the new you know one or two new cards to supplement your deck. That deck may be irrelevant, and and so to pivot to something new might require I don't know thirty rare wild cards or whatever, and and, and obviously changes the dynamic. Um, changes it changes it all together, so it adds that cost element to it. So, be very interesting to see um, what happens with uh, historic in the upcoming uh, month, I guess. Yeah, I mean, my the only lasting take I have is that let's pay attention to the trajectory of standard over the next year. And if standard gets a lot better, then I think part of the credit belongs to the fact that they shoved all this stuff into historic, um, which is indirect. And obviously, we still want to evaluate historic for itself, but I. I think when I imagine it from a design perspective, they are thinking about that. They're thinking we need a space uh, to play with interesting concepts. So um, I, as a person who's more interested in limited and standard, I'm, I'm kind of happy for them to put in historic. I, I mostly played historic when it was just slightly more than standard and I could play like the things that just rotated. I'm not really, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not much of a eternal format kind of person just because once there's a huge amount of cards involved, there's so much more learning, so many more hours you have to put into knowing all the different possible decks you can come up against. Um, I prefer to play narrower formats, which you get from standard and limited, where you can like really uh, have good expertise on every interaction that you could possibly come up against. Yeah, so you probably missed block constructed then, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I didn't love block constructed, but there were some there were some formats that were good. Ling lingering souls in in uh, I was at Innistrad uh, block constructed. I think it was banned. It was just <laughs> a broken thing. Every deck with four lingering souls, like just ridiculous. All right, I think um, I think that's that's enough on um, on on historic. Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there. I think we've been going for an hour. Um, Imad, thanks so much for joining us this week and, and really, you know, uh, again, once again, congratulations. It's, it's wonderful to see uh, people doing well. And especially like Anthony said, newer, fresher faces in the community. You know, some of us dinosaurs have been around a long time and, you know, it's nice to see like a new uh, group of people coming through and, and flying the flag and it makes us really happy. And I hope you continue to, you know, uh, prosper in this uh, endeavor of yours and uh, we'll see more great things to come from you in the future, I'm sure. Well, Imad, you want to promote your stream? Mm -hmm. uh, let me set it up first. It's going to take a while. Uh, I don't have internet at the moment. Okay, so Imad's setting up, uh, setting up a stream soon. So we'll we'll share the details on, and once it's up and running, maybe we'll have you on your, uh, in sometime in the future to, yeah, uh, tell us about it, how it's going, and we'll we'll check base with you. And and we'll when we have the details, we'll share it on our social media as well. Thanks, thanks. It'll be perfect. All right. We're out.